You're listening to Life with Impact. Join us as we continue to rediscover the heart of Jesus together. celebrate the faithfulness of God today. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. Uh, Nick, band, thank you. Let's thank the band if you don't mind. So grateful. So grateful. So I I have to admit something today that's embarrassing, but it's important that we just get it out of the way. Um, I am, man, I'm telling you, I am as directionally challenged as they come. I don't know if if you guys just have a natural, innate way of just kind of finding your way around town, not so with me. Man, I, I can get lost from here to, to like Sam's Club. I mean, I find a way to get lost from here to Sam's Club. I like like this thing. I, 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 I've told this story before, so you'll have to forgive me if you remember it. But, but it's just to help you understand just how bad with directions that I really am. So, so I like to ride motorcycles. My, my buddy Rick, we, we ride a lot together. Um, and we've gone to Tahoe a couple times. We, we decided on like our third or fourth trip to Tahoe that we wanted to take a little more of the scenic route rather than just bust up the 80 or up the 50. We decided let's take the scenic route. So instead of it taking us about an hour 45, it was going to take us about two and a half hours, which is nice to get a little better scenery. And so that was worth it for us. And and, and, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't know where I exactly I, I made the wrong, the wrong turn. I remember we, we did this, the, the route was like Jackson Highway, like past Rancho Murrieta, and then we, we got something to eat, and, and, and I, was, I was in charge of the directions, which in hindsight, don't, not, a good, not a good idea. Don't, just you be in charge. If we go anywhere together, you be in charge of directions, okay? So I was in charge of directions. We're eating. And, and I, I missed the turn that was supposed to happen early on. And I don't know what I was thinking. Like, I, it's, I'm talking, we went another hour and I got gas. We, we got gas, went inside, got a Red Bull. I had Siri in my back pocket. I could have I checked in with her, but I, I didn't. I, I got back on my motorcycle, heading in the same direction. It was time for gas. We've got these peanut tanks on our motorcycles. They're like one, one and a half gallons of gas. We only get about an hour on riding. So we had to get gas again. It was at that gas station stop that I realized, I, I feel like we should have turned somewhere. And, and so I check, I check, check in with Siri. I'm two hours out of the way. And Siri wants me to go two hours, over two hours, back to where basically we had lunch. My turn was about five or ten minutes from there. And so Siri wanted me to, to backtrack those two hours, which I'm two hours too far. Then I got to go back two hours. But I found this shortcut. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> it is not a shortcut, though. Uh, it's this, so it's called the Sonora Pass. We were, first off, we were closer to Yosemite than we were to Tahoe at this point. And I'm, I'm not being facetious. And, and so it, we could have taken Sonora Pass. And so I told Rick, I'm like, bro, let's take Sonora Pass. It just, it, that we, it looks pretty. There's lots of green. It should be pretty. I'm from Ohio, and there's cornfields and flat lands in Ohio. I didn't realize... That, that you could that 9,000 feet elevation was just around the corner from me. So I'm on a Sportster wearing a T-shirt, and there are snowbanks on the sides of us on the Sonora Pass that are taller than me. We're freezing to death, and we're running out of gas because we have one and a half gallon tanks. It I'm not. You can check in with Rick if you want to ask Rick. You can. You can. It took us, and I'm not exaggerating, nine hours to get from my house to South Lake Tahoe. 
Like, so, so when I say I'm directionally challenged, I hope that you're like, no, 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 you are really directionally challenged. That's why when I said a couple weeks ago, or actually last week, I don't remember if it was in this service, but in one of the services, I, I, I shared my prayer that I've been praying. So we're in a series called The Church Has Left the Building, and we're making these big changes, like not only to the church, but to the model of who we are as the church. And I, I said, I've been, I've been praying a prayer that recognizes that not only am I directionally challenged when it comes to getting from point A to point B, uh, maybe I'm the only person, but, but in life, sometimes I'm directionally challenged. Maybe, maybe you've ever looked in the mirror and been like, how did I get here? I, mean, I, made, I made some kind of wrong turn in life, right? And you're like, this is not at all where I thought I would be. And maybe you're looking at some of the choices you made and you're like, man, if I could just get a handful of those choices back. So I was, I was further along in this journey. And that, that's, that's me sometimes. And so I said, God, as we're doing these big changes, my prayer that I mentioned last week is, God, I remember how you used to lead with the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day. So, you, so your people just knew exactly where you were they could look up and there you were so they could go okay we're right where God wants us and, and I, I've been praying that God since you don't lead that way anymore my prayer has been and in, in, in one of the services I invited our church to pray so God because you don't lead that way be in my instincts please father be be in my knee-jerk reactions be be in my reflexes so that way when I have to make a decision I'm responding out of what you'd have me to do because God I know that I have some directionally challenged tendencies in, 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 in my way to Tahoe as well as just in, in everyday life. And I, it's, it's one thing to have access to the information because remember I had Siri in my back pocket the whole, the whole time, but I, I didn't use Siri. That's why I love that Psalm, Psalm 48 doesn't say that God will give us guidance. Psalm 48 says that God will be our guide. Because it's one thing to give us guidance, but I know me. Any of y'all remember, I'm about to date myself, but you remember, remember MapQuest? Like, you know, you, you type it in and you print it off and you would just be going two miles, but it was like 14 pages because you got all the advertisements as well. You know what I'm saying? So you print it off. But I, so I, I used to do that, but like... I need, I need Siri chirping in my ear like, turn in one mile, turn in 0.75 miles, turn in 0.6, because I know me, I'm jamming to the music or I'm on my motorcycle, I'm just thinking about something and I, I missed the turn. What I need from God is not just to give me guidance, I need from God to be my God, to show up in my day in and day out and to be my God. That's the kind of direction that I need. And, and then that story about the pillar of fire by night in the pillar of cloud by day. I revisited that story. I, I don't know if I mentioned it, that in this, serf, that, this service or it was in second service last week, but, but that's what I want to draw from today. And I think that today I'm going to offer us some hope in this thing that we're doing called The Church Has Left the Building. That if I was to title the message, I would title it, Thank God for GPS. But, but it's, not, it's not global positioning. If you'll allow me to, to be about as cheesy as I could possibly ever be, it's thank God for God's positioning. Thank God for GPS. The fact that God, you give us direct, you are our guide. So thank God for God's positioning in our life. I want to read from the book of Numbers as we look at some, some people who had access to a God who gave directions right there in front of them. A pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. In Numbers chapter 9, it'll be on the screen. You can follow along. And AJ, let me just tell you in advance that 
All I have as far as notes is just the, the scripture verses. And so just leave the verse up there. I'll probably stop and talk and stop and talk. And I'm gonna, you, I'll, I'll drive you crazy. So just leave the verses up. And verse 15, on the day the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered it. But from evening until morning, the cloud over the tabernacle looked like a pillar of fire. This is a great setup. I just, God, there you are. And if you're there, then we're good. In verse 16, this was the regular pattern. At night, the cloud that covered the tabernacle had the appearance of fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and would follow it. And wherever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set up camp. So i got to stop already before I get into verse 18. There's just, is there anything worse than moving? Like my wife and I, our youngest just graduated. And so we downsized. And so last, two weeks ago, we moved. Whole, like that's the, that is the worst experience ever. Moving is the worst. And it's the worst because, I mean, it is exciting to get to a new place. But, but you know how like you got you to pack in advance and you're trying to figure out what can I pack now? Because I'm, if I need this, I don't want to pack it yet. And then you packed it, but then you realize I've, I haven't used a spatula in like four years, but now I need the stinking spatula and it's in a box labeled kitchen, but there's 14 boxes labeled kitchen. So now I can't get to this. Like, like packing is the worst. And Moving is the worst. And then you get there and you can't wait. I mean, me and my, we tried to have dinner the first time that we were in our, in our new house and everything was packed away. Like we're eating off the countertops because we can't find our plates. And it was the worst. This, will be, I, I, what I want to do today is to actually allow us to see that we have access to a greater hope than even the people of Israel did. Because this idea of going and moving, I mean, this, I, you can't even really unpack. You, you, you got to pretty much stay living in boxes because you could wake up the next morning and God's presence could be gone. This is the way that God's presence was, was delivered to them. And so as we look at verse 18, in this way, they traveled and camped the Lord's command wherever he told them to go. Then they remained in their camp as long as the clouds stayed over the tabernacle. The tabernacle, we're talking about the church. This is actually the early church church for the people of Israel. In verse 19, if the cloud remained over the tabernacle for a long time, then the Israelites stayed and performed their duty to the Lord. If the cloud was there, then they stayed in church there as long as the cloud was there. Verse 20, sometimes the cloud would stay over the tabernacle for only a few days. So the people would stay for only a few days as the Lord commanded. Then at the Lord's command, they would break camp and they would move on. Sometimes the cloud stayed only overnight and lifted the next morning. But day or night, when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and they moved on. Whether the cloud stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year, the people of Israel stayed in the camp and they did not move on. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and they moved on. So they camped or traveled at the Lord's command and they did whatever the Lord told them through Moses. I want to look at three things. I just kind of pulled three things out of the text today. And it's, they're not, it's not like there's no alliteration. They're not even really cute points. But I do think it's really hopeful for us today. Like, like week one, this was a three-week series. And, and week one was like the nuts and bolts. And we could call it the how. This, this idea, the church has left the building. What we are doing, if you miss week one and, and you're just showing up, you missed an important weekend two weeks ago. And then, because that was the how. How are we doing this thing that we're doing? The, the church has left the building, meaning we are not going to be in this building. We are going mobile. And, and how are we doing that? That was week one. Well, last week was the heart. 
Okay, so what God's, God's through, the, through his word last week revealed to us that there is a harvest that we are, it's ready for us. We just got to get out there. And like we said in this service, it's not going to pick itself. So we got work to do. Some of us have just been eating and God's calling us to go and to go work in the fields and, and to develop the harvest. And so last week was the heart. Well, this week is, it's the hope. It's the hope so that you and I don't have to be discouraged, but we can be encouraged that this thing that God has called us to, He will see us through. There's something that I want to kind of say now that will be the thread throughout the entire message. Show of hands, how, how many of you believe that God never changes? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me see your hand. That's, that's really good news. And that, the reason I, I wanted you to, to really not only say that, but look around and say we're in good company to believe that, is that means that when we see the character of God displayed in Scripture, that character of God extends throughout eternity because God can't change. He, he doesn't change. And so I want to offer some hope today that a God who is faithful to the early church will be faithful to us. And so the first of three points that I want to look at today is number one, we did not invent the mobile church model. Like, like, and I know that's like, well, duh, that's, we, of course we didn't invent the mobile, but I'm, I'm talking, even the Western version of the church didn't invent, and in fact, I would even go as far as to say the mobile church model is actually a whole lot easier to see in scripture than the, the Western church model, and that's not to be a, a shot at the Western church model, I am so grateful, I've given my life since I was 16 years old to the model of the church that says, here's our address, and, and we're going to go worship together, and we invite you to come. But, but the mobile church model is actually the original model that God gave the people of Israel. God said, I don't want you to, to settle in so much that you, it's you begin to, to put your stake so deep that you forget this thing that you're doing. Because God says, what this is about is it's about me. And, and I'm wondering, I'm wondering if one of the reasons that, that God asked him to follow him was because he knows us. I mean, I mean he knows me and he, he knows me enough to know that, hey, D Dustin's got a way of getting distracted. I mean, I got ADHD. I, I got a way. That's why I'm, I somehow took nine hours to get to Tahoe. I'm probably rolling down on my bike and I'm probably lost in thought and looking all around me. And, and God knows me. And if I'm, not, if, if I'm not aware of his presence and what he's doing in real time, then I get lost in what's right in front of me. And this idea of mobile church, I believe, is an invitation for you and I to be conscientious at all times. God what are you doing through us in the right now? But the character of God that we see in early church with the mobile church that also extends to us is he will go ahead of us. He will go with us. And this idea of mobile church is an invitation for us to be a church on the move pursuing the work of God. Not just in a corner, but across the globe. We'll look at that here in a moment. So number one, just, just take heart. Take heart that we did not invent the mobile church model. This is the, when we look at Acts here in a moment, this is the model that I genuinely believe God has called the church to do, to go out and to tell people about the, the incredible gift of Jesus Christ. But number two, and this one is like, man, you, you picked a good Sunday to come because this is one of my favorite things I've seen in scripture in a long time. Number two, it's a, it's a long point, so just follow with me. Not only is God our guide, but our problems push us towards our promise. 
Not, not only is God our God, me, meaning, so we're, we're with the children of Israel, there's a pillar of fire by night and a, a cloud by day, and so God is their guide. But not only is God their guide, not only is he leading them from the front, he sometimes allows problems, and we're going to see here now, sometimes he even creates problems that push us from the rear to move us towards the thing that he wants us to do. Let me, let me, let me prove it to you. In, in Exodus chapter 13, obviously the book of Exodus is all about well, the exodus of the people of Israel from Egypt. And, and in Exodus chapter 13 verse 17, it says, follow along with me. You don't have to read it out loud, but, but follow along. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory. Even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God, God said, let me go here. Uh, if, they, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. I'll, I'll finish it here in a minute. But this is interesting because last week, God, Jesus didn't, didn't avoid. The shortest route was through to, Sam, or to Judea was through Samaria. And, and we read in the New Testament that Jesus said, I had to go through because I don't want to avoid the problem. If you missed it last week, go back and watch it. But in this particular passage, it says, God says, I don't want them to go through Philistine territory because if they go through Philistine territory and the Philistines start a fight, it might scare them back to Egypt. So hold on, this is, this is confusing. This is one of the most encouraging passages of scriptures that I have read in a long, long time. The Philistines were just warriors. If you know the story of David and Goliath, Goliath was a Philistine. They're, they were just big, they were known as giants among the people, these big guys. And here's the people of Israel just now out of Egyptian rule. And, and the, so they're kind of raw and fresh and they're, they're kind of running for their lives as it were. And God said, the quickest route is through Philistine. But God said, I don't want to send him through Philistine because if I send him through Philistine, it might scare them and undo the work that I have for them. And so they're ending this passage. It says, so God led them, God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. So the, what I want to ask you to consider right now is, did you know that the problems that you're going through are actually the problems that God allowed because he knew the ones that you couldn't handle? And the ones that you couldn't handle, he is so faithful. Remember, God's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. His character doesn't change. And you're saying, Dustin, I am in a rock and a hard place. Yeah, we're going to read about it here in a moment. So were the Israelites. Egyptian army and Red Sea. But that was one that God said, I can make a way through that one. I'm going to, I'm going to show them that I can be faithful. I'm going to get glory through this problem. But this problem, it might crush them. So God says, I care about them too much to give them a problem that would crush them. The problem you're going through right now now is a problem that won't crush you because it's a problem that God actually allowed and the ones he allows are the ones he'll make a way through. That, man, that was such good preaching. I thought you'd say amen. amen. I mean, that's how faithful that our God is. The faith, so you say, but Dustin, you don't know this problem. You're right. I don't know that particular problem, but I do know that that problem was, was allowed by a God we read it. God led the people of Israel to the Red Sea. He led, he guided them. In fact, we keep reading just a couple of verses down, same chapter, three verses later in verse 21. The Lord, remember this is the same thing we read. The Lord went ahead of them. He is leading them. He is guiding them. He's not just giving them guidance. He's being their guide. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and they provided light at night with a pillar of fire. 
This allowed them to travel by day or night, and the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. That's the end of Exodus chapter 13, and then the very next verse is the beginning of chapter 14. The, the, the Exodus is reminding us they are following God. So where they go is all a part of where God is guiding. They're not, on a, they're not out of God's will. They're not off the beaten path. They are right where God wants them to be. Then in verse 14, the very next, or chapter 14, the very next verse, then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back and camp at Pihaharith between Migdal and the sea. Camp there along the shore across from Baal then Pharaoh will think, the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. I have what? Say it. We planned. Let me, let me, oh, there's no, do you not have that verse? You guys are like, I don't know. I have, the church has left the, what? I don't get, okay, then the word was planned. That was so anticlimactic. And verse 4, and once again I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. I have planned this. God says, I have planned this in order to display my glory. What? I have planned the Red Sea and the Egyptian army in order to display my glory. And then he says this. Uh, through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. The Israelites set up camp in the middle of their problem because that's what God led them directly into and even prepared for them. Why? So that he could get glory. I mean, this, so, so the problems that you're going, you might even say, I've been here for a long time. These have been a problem of mine for a long time. You know, God told the people of Israel, set up camp, unpack, put your tents down. We're going to be here for a little bit. Where? In the middle of the problem. And listen, the Israelites didn't know. That was a conversation that God had with Moses. The Israelites were very confused as the Egyptian army started coming. Read later on in, in chapter 14, the Israelites were like, Moses, have you brought us out here to die? You I mean, we, we were eating three square meals a day and we had a bed to lay our heads on. And now we're at a Red Sea and we're at a, an Egyptian army here. Did you bring us this far to die? And Moses knew something that they didn't know. That is, no, God said he planned this. And if God planned it, then I have to assume that God didn't bring us this far just to watch us perish. They set up camp in the middle of their problems. Let, let, let me tell it to you like this. This is... Kind of, kind of a part of the logistics of this whole thing that the church has left the building. This plan that we have. I want to, I want to just give you the, just the real life. Maybe this will encourage you as you take inventory of like the, the problems in, in your life. Let me just start by saying, can you, can you try today through, as we read God's word together, can you try today to revisit your problems and say, God, based on your word, I got to believe that you get, didn't give me the problem that's going to kill me. It feels like it. I mean, even the Israelites said, you have brought us out here to die, Moses. It might seem like 
It's going to kill you. But what if, if you and I were to say in light of our problems, God, uh, since you didn't give us the problem that would destroy us, and you, not only did you allow a problem, you created a problem. You planned the problem. You even planned the responses from the other side of the problem and how they would react, and that would create this, which would be a domino effect for this, which means that they're going to chase after you. Ultimately, God says, I'm going to get some glory. And that's why I created this problem. And so I would love it if you could say, maybe, since you allow this problem, even plan for this problem, then what are you going to do to make a way through this problem? To give you a story that might encourage you for us, like a family meeting of sorts, this is a reminder that, you know, after second service, come back if you have any questions about the logistics of, of the transition as we go mobile. But I want to let you in on how this is so relevant to me. It's why I'm so excited to preach it to you today, because this is so real to me. See, see we, we, in May, in May of this past year, it wasn't, I'll say it again because it's an important part of the narrative, it wasn't that we just decided to go mobile. We, we didn't just decide to be unwilling to pay our mortgage. We literally just could not. We were unable to pay our mortgage. And it was so bizarre. It made no sense. In May, the very first week of May, we're not talking like a, a weird dip in giving. We were less than half of what we typically budget for and comes in and has come in for over a year. All of a sudden in the month of May, less than half for four weeks straight. And we're going, this is, this makes no sense. There's no, we, it wasn't like we were half a size, half the size that we were six months ago. God, what are you doing? And so we had to have a conversation as a staff, as leadership and as elders. I invited the, the elders and the pastors into my office on a Wednesday early in May. And I said, here's, here's the reality, fam. This is, this is the, this is where the financial picture is. And, and this is the, this is the, the situation that we find ourselves in with our mortgage and I said to them can you do me a favor and from now till next Wednesday will you pray and I'm talking pray like you ain't prayed in a long time like like ask God for some clarity if God leads you to fast then you fast and and in a week from now let's come together and and let's see what God had to say because I don't know exactly what to tell our church I just don't feel like I should go to the church and I'm not supposed to say can you give us more money God has put a pause in my heart and he said it's up to us to really seek the heart of God that God has told me he will give clarity, kind of like he did to Moses. God is going to tell us what his plan is, so we need to seek his face. And I asked the eldership and, and pastors to do that over the next week to go pray. Uh, let me tell you, I don't know what their week was like. Let me tell you what my week was like. That was a Wednesday. Wednesday night, I, I couldn't sleep that well and laid up all night praying. I felt like my prayers were hitting the ceiling. Like, like they were just bouncing back at me. Thursday night, I prayed like... God, you, you, you got to do something. I mean, I'm battling insecurity and fear of failure and, and just overall, just God, what did you bring us this far? I mean, I'm, I, I sounded like an Israelite. Did you bring us this far just to let us die? Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, not sleeping, not eating, just, just stressed out. You know, that peace that passes understanding didn't have it. I was so anchored in fear. You know, we've not been given a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Yeah, well, I was wrapped up in fear because I was having a hard time seeing that God had planned this. And I'm just being honest with you. You might lose respect for me, but just know I, I get wrapped up in the same fear and insecurity that you do. Friday night, Saturday night, nothing. Sunday night, nothing. Monday night, nothing. It's Tuesday night. I got a meeting with our elders and pastors the very next day, and I'm laying in bed. This time, I'm panicked. Tears streaming down my face about 2.30 in the morning, and my prayers sound like God are you ignoring me I'm begging you for an answer 
And I'm not being facetious and I'm not being exaggerative and I'm not trying to make for a good story. And God said, Dustin, I gave you the answer. You, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. God said, I gave you, 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 do you have the money to pay the mortgage? And I'm laying in bed like so, getting strategic. I'm, like, I'm going, even if I wanted to pay the mortgage, you can't. And God said, I gave you the answer. You keep praying about what do you do with this mortgage? And God said, I created a problem. Because if you would have had all this money coming in, you would have been doing the same thing that you've been doing for week after week after week after week. And God said, I created a problem so that you and your team would say, God, what are you doing? God said, I created a Red Sea and a mortgage company hot on your heels. And you're camped right there in the middle of it. And God said, I created that problem because I wanted you to look, to look at me and watch me stretch out across the water. God said, I gave you a problem so that I could get glory. And I went to the team on Wednesday morning and I asked each and every one of them, like, what did God say? And we were the, like, it was, I mean, just, just, I would love to tell you that we were like spiritual giants and we, but, but we were pretty discouraged. And everybody went around the room and kind of said, I really didn't hear anything that was like from God that was really like totally this laser. This is what God is saying to do. And then at the very end, it was, it was my turn. And, and I said, I'm, I'm with you. I prayed every night and didn't hear anything. And I said, just, I said, God spoke to me last night. And I, I said, he, the most generous, gracious, and kind thing that God could have ever done was to create a problem that forced us to deal with the situation. And I said, if God would have done anything any differently, we would have recycled the problem for another decade. I said, God is so generous that he took from us the ability to pay. And so now we go, God, make a way. And from that moment on, the whole vibe and heart and excitement changed because we weren't focused on the problem we were focused on the God that we had confidence in that not only allowed it, get this, created it, planned for it. We serve the kind of God that is in heaven going like, I'm going to create this problem, which is ultimately going to create this reaction from the congregation. CDF's going to respond. Our mortgage company is going to respond like this, which is ultimately going to give them some excitement. And God starts putting all these pieces together because he's God. His ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And then God says, I'm going to create this problem so that I can get glory. Not only does God guide us, he uses and creates problems to push us towards our promise. So maybe you could take inventory of your problems and say, God, what is this pushing me towards? Because, you know, know Psalm 23? Psalm 23, uh, like the Lord is my shepherd, which means you're guiding me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That passage says, you you lead me beside quiet waters. Oh, we love that. You make me lie down in green pastures. Oh, we love that. You, you set up a table for me in the presence of my enemies. My enemies are all around, but I'm sitting here eating with God because you love me that much. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're like, yes, this is good, this is good. But don't forget, all of a sudden, right in the middle of that passage, even when I what? Walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We forget that. 
We just, all we want to do, God, you're going to always keep me in green pastures. You're always going to keep me in quiet meadows. You're always going to lead me beside still waters. You're always going to make a table before me in the presence. No, sometimes God leads us and guides us through the valley of the shadow of death, but we don't have to fear it because we've got a guide who's got a shepherd's staff and who will walk ahead of us and make sure that we don't have to be afraid of the valley of the shadow. It's just a shadow. It, the valley of the shadow of death, which means you might get, it might get cast on you. Oh, but it can't consume you. Oh, death, where is your sting? Because of what Jesus did. La lastly, this is, man, this is, this is not only exciting. I hope this just gives you a sense of you leave here with a pep in your step. Number three, God's presence is our power. God's presence is our power. See, power is not this thing that is an amenity because of his presence. We get power because God's power is his presence. When God gives us his presence, we therefore have power. Let me read this to you. Verse 8 of chapter 1 in Acts says, follow along with, good, good, it's on there. Follow along with me. But you will receive what? Power. Say it this time like, like you actually have access to something. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me where? In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Because God's presence is in you, and on you, and all around you, the power that we get is so that we can go. God's presence is the fuel, the high-octane fuel that we need that's, that's not $7 a gallon, so that we can go and tell His mission and His story all across. The, those, those words mean locally, regionally, nationally, globally, put that verse back up, AJ. And then also this one right here, the S one, Samaria. Remember last week? Remember, remember last week? That's where we don't want to go. Jesus made a point to say to the good Jews, you're going to go tell my story regionally, locally, globally, nationally. And then he said, oh, and you also got to do it in places that make you feel uncomfortable. But God, we really like it here. It's really comfortable. God says, I didn't give you high octane power in my presence so that you could stay here just with the people you want to be with. I gave you high octane power so that you could tell people about me everywhere, even in the places that are uncomfortable. Oh, Dustin, we love this building. I'm sorry. We're not called to it. He told us to go. And so we're going to go. In fact, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, this is the verse that everything we are about to do hangs on and hinges on. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I've been given all authority on heaven and on earth. Let me say it again. Just leave that up there, AJ. Let me say it again. That's a pivotal part of the story. Because what Jesus did changed everything. And because of what Jesus did, we now have a story to tell because everything changed when Jesus came. God, he came and he was given the name as a baby, God with us, which God came to be among us like... For the longest time, the only hope we had of being right with God. Or, look, look, you know what, I, what gives me hope today 
is that I don't have to just look up and see that's just going to be a God that is near me. That's a God that is around me. God came in the form of Jesus to be with us. So that not because if I sleep in, if I'm if I if I went hard the night before and I'm I'm the people of Israel and I sleep in and I wake up and the cloud's gone, I'm done. It's a that's a wrap. I mean, let's just say that I, I start hosting services. I'm an Israelite and the pillar of fire is there and I get set up. Listen, I'll sing the chorus 19 times, and I might be singing the chorus of this song 19 times, and meanwhile the presence of God is moving on. If, if, without Jesus. We have to constantly go, God, are we, are we where you want us to be? God, are, are we where you are? God, are we in your presence? But then Jesus came and changed everything. And because he changed everything, he said, therefore, what's that next word? Therefore what? Go. Yeah, yeah, right. So it doesn't say Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, tell people to come. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this. Let's say that together. And be sure of this. I am with you. Say it. Even to the ends of the earth. Even to the end of the age. I'm with you always, which just means, hey, we're going to go to Center Parkway Regal Theater and we're going to have church there. You know what Jesus says? I'll be there. <laughs> Later that night, we're going to go to the barn. We're going to have worship there. You know what Jesus says? Meet you there. I'll be there because Jesus says, I'm not in a pillar of cloud and I'm not in a pillar of fire. I am with you. I'm with Ray. I'm with Galen. I'm with Jen. I'm with Deb. I'm with Bob. You go, Jesus says, I will be there. So we should not be afraid to go because Jesus will be with us always. That's good news. Let me do something that that Justin's going to hate me for. Justin learned, I asked him to learn a song that is a really good song, but I'm not going to do it. So Justin, I, you're probably just, Justin, can you pop your head out? Because you're probably right there. Justin. No, now he, he actually quit. Justin, Justin has left the building with the church. Both Justin and the church have left the building. So, um, I don't, oh, I hear people moving back there where you, hey, but no, see, Nick, I want to say, thank you, thank you, thank you. no, no, I, I don't want, I, I don't want to do the last song. I don't want to do the last song. And you learned it. So can we all, can we tell the band, thank you for learning the, the last song? Okay. But I, what I want to do is put a, can you give me a G pad? Give me a G, a G pad. And... Can we stand up together? Thank you. How about, um, that was quick. Let's pull, the, let's pull the lyrics to Holy Spirit up, if you don't mind. Let's end today's message with a prayer. And, and what we've been reminded of today is, is, is a couple things. And number one, this, this, we didn't invent this. We're, we're not that smart. This, God's, God's been telling his people to go for 
generations and generations and generations. And, and, and secondly, what we learned is that, man, God is so faithful. He, he's not up there scrambling in the war room to try to figure out how does he fix our crisis. He actually not only allows them, he knows the chain of events that's going to happen in the problem. So we can, be, we can have confident hope that he's moving us still towards what he wants from us, even with our problems and even through our problems. And then lastly, we can have this confident hope that when we say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. This is what I'm asking for you to do. It's not here as in 8299 East Stockton Boulevard. It's wherever we are. Because where we are is God didn't say, therefore, I'm in your church to the end of the age. Therefore, I'm, I'm wherever your, your infrastructure for your building and offices are to the end of the age. No, Jesus says, I am with you and you and you and you. Jesus didn't give his life on the cross for a freaking building. He gave his life on the cross for you and I. And so when we, when we say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here, it's here among us. And, and when he is here, we have something important that we can offer people. When he is not here, you should sleep in. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope in your presence, Lord. I've tasted, I've tasted and seen the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone in your presence Lord. ready holy spirit you are welcomed here come flood this place and fill the Come by your presence. 
Father, hear your church. God, that's, that's our prayer. And we ended with this reminder that, that God, we're called to go. And we, sheesh, we, I'm so directionally challenged that I need your presence. I need your spirit, God. But the confident hope that I have is Jesus said, in essence, he said, I won. I'm now ruler and I have authority over everything. I have the ability to trump everything. And Jesus said, now that I have that authority, just go and do the work to tell people about it. Baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus said, and don't stress because wherever you are, I will be there. So God, I pray that you would give us an awareness of your presence, an awareness of your spirit. God, I, 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 I took nine hours to get to Tahoe because Siri was in my back pocket. Oh God, we do. Please don't be in our back pocket. Don't be a part of the agenda. Don't be, don't be on the program. God, be at the center of everything. When we move, we, we know you're going. You've moved ahead of us. When we, when we plan, we know you're calling us and moving us and going ahead of us. God, and with the, the amazing thing that we, that we know today is the folks that are in this room, whether they want to, whether they've been living like you are at the center of their lives or not, I pray that right now, both corporately, we've been talking about it and we even sing a song about it. God, personally speaking to the person that says, I'm done with Jesus, you're saying, well, I'm with you. To the person that's making all the stupid decisions and they know that's wrecking their life, you're saying, well, I'm with you. And so I pray, God, that you would show up in the kind of way that would allow us to, to have this confident hope that we don't have to figure it out and then, and then work our way back to you. Like the pro, even the prodigal son, he had to create this speech and then make the journey to, to the house of his dad and there he could have reconciliation. Well, that was pre-Jesus on the cross. And so now when we're sitting in the middle of the pit, that's where you're like, I'm right here with you in the middle of it all. Yeah, you stink. Yeah, your life's a mess. But Jesus, you're saying, well, I'm right there with you always, even to the end of the age. And so may we be the kind of place that just allows people to look around and say, I'm not alone. Not only do I have community with a church, I am not alone because Jesus meets me right here. And may we be the kind of place that tells the story of what Jesus did that gained him authority over everything in heaven and earth. And we were invited, sheesh, we were invited into a royal family because of what Jesus Christ did. Hallelujah. We pray all of these things in the confident hope of not only what you uh, believing and trusting and, and excited about what you have done. God, our best thinking days are ahead. You have promised me that and we are crossing the Red Sea right in the middle of it all because you haven't brought us this far to let us die. You are making a way and we will go. We pray all of these things in Jesus name and everybody said. Thanks for joining us this week on Life with Impact. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Life with Impact. And to watch the full virtual service, make sure to check us out on YouTube at Impact CC. Have a great week.